Now I'm going to take a few minutes to gather my thoughts and get back to my new tattoo shop on Ninth and Cherry. The mall tavern, I now have a nice tavern to drink in just down the street from the shop. And my wife, number two, Sharon. So here we go. Well, I've had the night to think it over. These are the three little stories that I wanted to get in here, still on Ray Street, before I moved to Night and Cherry. I thought them over. I think I got them pretty well together. So I'm going to insert them right here and now, and then come back to my new shop. The first story happened a little after Sailor Eddie had bought the building over in Camden where I had my shop. I was pretty disgusted with that, and I thought I'd take a few days off and ride down to the Virginia area, although they had banned tattooing that passed the city ordinance against tattooing in Norfolk. Most of the tattooers from that area moved to the neighboring towns, such as Portsmouth, Newport News, etc. There was a man down there, a very good tattooer, called Eddie Peace. He had the nickname of Tex. Tex Eddie Peace. So I took a ride down there just to see him, see how everything was going down in that area, if they were getting away with <clears throat> maybe changing the laws down there in Norfolk. I like to keep up on things. So I took a ride. When I went to see Eddie Peets, I had just, I told him what just happened with Sailor Eddie buying the building. He shook his head and said, boy, that guy's a real prick. He said, I'm sure you heard that I was audited by the IRS a few years back. I said, yes, I did. He said, I think that Sailor Eddie was the one that turned me in and made that happen. He said he came down here and he was bragging how what a great tattooer he was and how, how good he was and on and on and on. And I said to him, I'm, I'm a pretty decent tattooer myself, you know. And then come one of my customers had a nice tattoo on him I had done. And he's showing it to Sailor Eddie and Sailor Eddie said, Probably took you a couple hours to do a tattoo that nice. What insulting bastard he was. The customer turned and said, No, he put this on in about 15, 20 minutes. Sailor Reddy, the nasty bastard that he is, he, he just left. But a short time after that is when the IRS ordered me. And Eddie Peace suggested to me, I go back and rent another building in Camden. He said, he buys that one, rent another one. Put him in the real estate business. He said, he's a prick. He said, I hear through the grapevine that Paul Rogers is going up there to work with him. Now, Paul Rogers, he had gone down when they closed Norfolk. He had gone down and teamed up with this Huck Spalding 
and opened up a place in Jacksonville, North Carolina, as I spoke about before. But then, in a short time, the provost marshal from the Marine base in Jacksonville put an X on the tattooing there in Jacksonville. So the rumor goes. I would have bet it was probably Paul Capps that put the X on the tattooing in Jacksonville. Paul Capps, the man that owned most of Jacksonville. He got screwed around by trying to open a tattoo shop by several tattooers. And he probably figured out that the tattooers that were there were taking a lot of money out of his pocket with the tattooing. And he wasn't getting a piece of it. And he probably put the X on the tattooing with the provost marshal. That would be my guess. Anyway, Spaulding and Rogers, they, they hung around. They, they went over to Newark, New Jersey, and they moved in with Tony the Pirate in that shop over there just before the closing of New York and, and neighboring places. So anyway, the rumor was that Paul Rogers was now going to go to work with Sailor Eddie over in Camden. And that takes care of story number one for now. Story number two is a real headache of a story, but this is what happened. One day in the tattoo shop, me and Fat Billy working on Ray Street, we had a friend, one of the Gypsy boys. The Gypsies had a, had a store on 9th Street. Whole family of gypsies, fortune tellers, rubbers. One of the one of the sons, he was around fifteen, I guess, visiting us in the shop. And who comes through the door? But Sharon, Pam, and Pam's new boyfriend. Pam pulls out her gun and says, "Get upstairs, and this is a robbery, and we want your money." So on and so forth. I don't remember all the shit. So much shit happened with that woman. All part of the nightmare. Anyway, they rob us. I make a little resistance. Sharon turns and points the gun at my chest and pulls the trigger. The gun went click and misfired. Pam's boyfriend immediately jumped in between me and her, pulled out his gun, pointed it at me and said, Don't move, get back took her gun and took it away from her and said, let's get out of here. And down the steps they went. And out the door, we heard the door close. So we come down the steps. What do we see is missing? My stencils again. Jesus Christ, them stencils. Anyway, I call the police right away. They picked the trio up in a very short time. I get my stencils back, yay. Anyway, that's that story. In a few days, I go to visit her in the jail. She's still pregnant. And I'm feeling bad about everything. Anyway, the boyfriend, Pam's boyfriend, comes to me and he says, Will I please drop the charges? He's studying, he's taking a test to be a 
Philadelphia policeman, <clears throat> and this wouldn't be very good for him. I believed I dropped the charges on all three of them. Anyway, I get another apartment with Sharon. I don't know whether this is the second, third, or fourth apartment. Seems like we moved quite a bit in the next couple of years. She had a habit of disappearing for a couple of days at a time. It was a disaster. I never should have been involved in this marriage in the first place. Sharon, not wife number two, didn't even want to be in my book. I had originally called my son Joe, told him I was writing my book, and I needed a couple pictures of himself, maybe one of his mother and one of his brother if he had some. Joe sent me a bunch of pictures. He's a nice kid. He was a big headache, but he's all right now. Anyway, the pictures he sent me of Sharon, wife number two, weren't all that nice. <clears throat> so I called wife number two, Sharon, who I thought we were on good terms now, and asked her for a picture of herself, a pretty picture if she had one as I was writing a book. And she informed me she didn't want to be in my book, leave her out of the book. And I said, okay, fine. That day, my son called me that night and said, please, Dad, don't use any of the pictures that I sent you of Mom. She just called me and told me she was raising hell. He said, I don't want to have to listen to her for, for the next hundred years about the picture. Please don't use any pictures I sent you. I said, okay, Joe, I won't use those pictures. I says, how about the other pictures you sent me of yourself? <clears throat> and you sent me, sent me this here picture that I'm going to put on this page here of another pig. He had roasted a pig with an apple in its mouth. I said, can I use that picture? He said, yeah, sure. So here is a picture of a different pig. It's now Labor Day. And Labor Day on the East Coast marks the end of the summer. And in the 50s and the 60s, probably in the 70s, whenever Labor Day hit, it seemed like business. Somebody turned the light switch off. Business just stopped. Automatically just stopped. So I was just sitting there thinking how my life was going and what's happening and thinking, yeah, I'm going to have another baby. It's going to be the same bullshit as the first one in New York. I'll get to have visiting rights. I'll get to see them once every so often. I have to be paying child support. And I'm just thinking, do I really want this shit all over again? I'd say to Fat Billy, I'm thinking of taking a ride, maybe moving. Maybe we'll go down to South Carolina to Charleston, big Navy base down there. I used to talk to D.V. who worked down there. He said it was a good spot. Maybe we'll just pack up and go to Charleston. That Billy said, whatever you want, Ed. I said, okay, let's do that. So we packed the shop up. 
in the middle of the night, overnight, put everything in the car, and we headed off to Charleston, South Carolina. There was only one shop left in Charleston, South Carolina, an old tattooer named Grimshaw. So I find a store for rent. I rent it. We start building. Me and Fat Billy start building a shop in, in there. It's coming along. We'd work all day. At night, we'd have a few drinks. Plenty of sailors around. Lots of girls in the bars hustling the sailors. And I'm thinking, you know, if I don't go back, that little kid will be born. He'll never know who I was. And with the screwball, going to raise him. He ain't got a shit chance in the world. I should go back and look out for this baby, no matter what. So again, I say to Fat Billy, come on, we're going back to Philly, what the fuck? And we pack everything up again and head back to Philly. When we get back to Philly, we notice the lights on in the tattoo shop. <laughs> we go in and there's Dracula in there. He had sawed down my fucking railing. I chased him around with my blackjack in my hand. He beats it out the door. And we prepare. We bring the stuff back into the tattoo shop. Dracula's flash was up on the wall. We took it down. No way he was getting that back. And we put my stuff back up. And so here we are back. Back in Philly, and in a short time, we're going to move around the corner to Ninth and Cherry, where I originally left off, and that's where I'm going to continue, from Ninth and Cherry.